0: Such a blessed congregation to have a committed pastor and his wife heading this church. It's Jesus that heads the church, but our pastor and his wife have got good listening ears. That's the thing. So they teach us well. So, what I wanted to do this morning is that this is such an opportunity because it's a baptism service. And it's Palm Sunday, which is known as the triumphal entry. Now, for some of you, you may sort of think, well, it's, it's two different things. But the more I've looked at this, you see the baptism and the triumphal entry are in all the four Gospels. So that would indicate that this is something quite special going on. So is there a combination... Between these two, I want to give you background because I don't know whether you're like me, the more information that I get to be able to process Scripture, the clearer it is in my mind. Now, what I want to do to you for this morning is go through give, so that you help you understand what we have experienced with baptism. In Matthew 3, verse 1 to 6. The first verse it says, there we are. yeah. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what he is saying here, there is an action needed. Repent. Then it goes on and it shows us whereabouts Generally, this is taking place because, you see, also Dale said there are no coincidences. So what we have here, there is a process that is going to take place in a place. Then we go on to verse 5. Then Jerusalem, or Judea, and the region around the Jordan went out to him, and were baptized by him in the the Jordan, confessing their sins. So what we have, we have an area of the wilderness of Judea. It's near the river Jordan, and also it's near Jerusalem. So what we can do, we can pinpoint this area quite accurately. I want you to look at this picture Make sure you can see it. I want you to see this picture. Because this is the area that this scripture talks about. The wilderness of Judea between its east of Jerusalem and west of the river Jordan. This is it. So now you've got an idea where John the Baptist was ministering. No distractions. So what happened here 600 years before? Jesus spoke to the prophet Isaiah. And he gave him a scripture that he knew that was going to be proclaimed here. I think it's absolutely incredible when you see how God... uh, brings places for our future. So this is the verse. This is going to be our, our key verse. Isaiah 40, verse 3 to 5. Now, when you think that this scripture was written, given 600 years before this happening, I'm going to read it to you and look at the, the, the terrain a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low, the crooked paths shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall be shall see it together, and the mouth of the Lord is spoken. This is what went on here. And this is what John the Baptist was proclaiming. Prepare the way of the Lord. Now, I know that for some of you, this may, come, this may be a bit deep. All right? But what I want to do is explain to you to get it in your head so you will know. When you hear about John the Baptist, ah, I know the conditions that he was preaching in. No distraction. Now, when Jesus went to, they, see, it's 25 miles from Jerusalem to the Jordan. All right. So from the Judean wilderness here down to the Jordan would be about five to six miles. So John would have been preaching. This would all have to have taken place in a day, which they would have walked about 20 miles, 22 maybe, so they could have then walked the four or five miles down to the River Jordan after John had preached to them. So, when Jesus went to John, John said, but I can't baptize you. I'm not even worthy to tie up your shoes. But Jesus said, let it be so now to fulfill all righteousness. And then when Jesus went down into the water, just like we saw Owen and the rest of the disciples going down in the water, something happened. Something supernatural happened. And I've taken a, 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 a verse, well, it's not really a verse. It's a, it's a paraphrase from the message, all right? But the, the essence is what God's heart was for his son and for these candidates when they went in the water, this is what God says to you, disciples. This is what he said. And this is from the message. This is in Matthew 3:16 and 17. The moment Jesus, or the disciples, came up out of the baptism waters, the skies opened up, and he saw God's Spirit... It looked like a dove descending and landing on him, and along with the spirit, a voice. And this is what the voice says. This is my son, chosen and marked by my love. Delight of my life. Delight of my life. I think that is absolutely beautiful. We are the delight of his life. And I've got to give you the background. Some of you history buffs might be interested in this. The rest of you that aren't, you can go to sleep, and I'll wake you up in a few minutes, okay? But th- this is the way that this is the way that the Lord speaks to me about things. I'm no preacher, all right? But what I do, I explain things that I know the Holy Spirit wants to give you a picture so that you can get it in your mind. Between 608 and 586, Judea, the area that we see here, um, was conquered by the Babylonians. And the walls of Jerusalem were, were destroyed. The temple was destroyed. And the children of Israel were taken into captivity, which is called the first exile. And they were there for 70 years. Now, the reason being, they went into exile because of sin. See, what they had done, they had fallen into idol worship. Idol worship, and God said to them. Remember, in, in the desert, He said to them. Now, these people had no excuse because God spoke to them specifically about this idol worship, and this is in the first commandment in Exodus twenty, verse two to three. And God spoke, and God spoke all these words, saying, "I am the Lord your God." He's been spe- He's speaking specifically to a people. I am the Lord, your God. So he has got their attention, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. And what did they do? Take other gods. And the consequences of sin were in a dark place, and that is where we were. That is where we were before we asked Jesus into our lives. We were in a dark place. We were in exile. In fact, we were in the devil's camp. We were his exile. But when they were in exile, they yearned. They yearned to be in that place of peace. They knew what was going on. They weren't, they weren't fulfilled. They were lost, they were sad, they were remorseful, and that's so important when it comes to this word repentance. And in Psalm 137, verse 5 and 6, and we know it quite well because there was a song back in the 70s that uh, by the river of Babylon we sat and wept when we resembled Zion. If I forget you, O Jerusalem... May my right hand forget its skills. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth, if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. See, what was happening with these people, they were homesick. They were homesick. They wanted to go to the place of security that, the, that God had planned. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. These people were taken into exile for 70 years. So that they could get to that place where they recognize repentance. And it, is the same, it was the same for me. When I became a Christian, I had to realize that I was distant from Jesus because of my behavior. The things that I said, the things that, well, we've all been now, I'm sure, in some way or other. So when we look at our key verse, and this is going somewhere, I think you're going to get quite excited by the end of the morning. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a, a fantastic uh, awareness or a revelation. Matthew 3.3, the voice of one crawling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway of our God. See, what this scripture does, when you know the background, I'm going to go on to that in a minute. The scripture prophesies that God would and did return with his people to a place he had prepared for them. When I asked Jesus into my life, like many of us here, I walked into a destiny. I walked into a destiny with emptiness, with sadness, guilt, shame. Oh, I wish I hadn't. But the point being that this is the place that I had to get like all these these uh, disciples did this morning, they got to a place where they knew they wanted to walk on in this journey. So, if we then go back to baptism, just bear with—I've missed a page, which I think is quite important. Just before we move on, this particular scripture was. Isaiah saying, when the children of Israel were going to be released from captivity, from exile, and it was God that was saying, Now you've learnt your lesson. We are going to that place of peace. We are going to that place of security. We are going to that place where I am going to direct you, and all is well. All is well. But the background to this particular scripture is the idea was taken from, you know, eastern monarchs. When they would go on a, an expedition or a journey, they would send out scouts to survey the land, prepare the way, to open the passes, to level the ways, and to remove all obstacles. Moses did this, didn't he? with The 12 disciples. Go in. Check out the land, see where is good where we can walk. Do you see? And it is the same here. John the Baptist was preparing a way for Jesus. And so, here's a question for you. Our sins were forgiven when we asked Jesus into our life. So why get baptized? If we've been forgiven, this almost seems pointless. But you see what baptism is, it's moving on the next step. See, when you ask Jesus into your life, it's a personal encounter. Nobody knows. Nobody but you and him. But now what has happened, Jesus is saying, right, I know where your heart is, verbalize it. So what we get here is that, and we've seen it this morning, these disciples have declared to the world that they are following Jesus, all right? This is going out on the Internet. These people have given testimony to the world Another thing, they've shown the devil they are out of his camp. They are no longer allied to him. So we have a twofold then. But what it is, it is setting these disciples on a journey of confidence and conviction. They have declared to you, I want to move forward with Jesus. Jesus. This is what it's about. So when you look at this word repentance, see, is that God wants... How can I explain this? God wants us to know the depth of the sin his son died for. So at baptism, we also die with him. See, it's, I needed to acknowledge... When I was born again, I needed to acknowledge that my life was a mess. I'd messed up big time in f- ways you don't want to know, and you're not going to know. And you've all had that in your life. See, but I, what, what God wanted us to do is to—he forgave, he he forgave me before I even asked for it. But you see, what he wanted was Paul— I want you to acknowledge what you did. You are aware of your susceptible nature to certain aspects of sin. See, my will be different to yours. I am not a sinner, but I am susceptible to certain things that the Holy Spirit has shown me. So when we go to baptism, we are in the water... Yes, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me, but I acknowledge, I acknowledge that my sin took you to a place where you had to die for me. In Romans 6, 3 to 5, or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And this is what these disciples have done. They aren't going to walk out this place the same way as they came in. They're going to be spiritually 10 foot taller. They, they, They have been imparted a holy confidence that is not them. This is, it says, about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what has happened. Now, this is... (laughs) How are we doing? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I have a Jewish friend. I have have many Jewish friends. (laughs) Many Jewish friends. And... uh, there's one particular man, which I'm, I'm really fond of, and I was talking to him one day about the ritual purification, right? Because the Jews were very familiar with what we would call baptism, but for them it was ritual purification before they could go into the presence of God. Now, this is a visual aid, all right? The, the essence was that they didn't know whether they were impure or not. You know, they could have bumped into somebody that had sinned, which would have made them impure. So the essence of ritual purification is this. And I'm just going to give you an example of what he told me. Not that every Jew thinks of it this way, but this was the way that he spoke to me about it. He says... I recognize that I may be impure. I recognize that there may be sin in me. But for me, to come to you, I need cleansing. So the idea was to go down into the water. I'm going to right, into the water like this. So we're the last thing to go into the water with the hands. that are raised as an acknowledgement of my sin. They go down into the water. They come up. They come up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do you see how the water has gone from, I am a sinner, to praise the Lord. The knees aren't what they used to be. <laughs> so what we have here is a, a visual aid of what baptism is. You will always know from now on what the baptism is. Now then, how does this link in to Palm Sunday, or the Triumphal Entry. Now, our, our heading or our title for today is Prepare the Way of the Lord. Prepare the Way of the Lord. And who did this? Isaiah in the desert. Who brought that into a being at that certain time? John the Baptist. Who was the fulfillment of this? Jesus. What brought this about? Repentance and baptism. Repentance and baptism. Now, uh, historians again, (laughs) your your turn. Can we have the photo of Palm Sunday Road? This was one of the earliest photographs. Thank you, Hilary. You can tell I'm croaking. Thanks a lot. This is one of the earliest photographs of the Mount of Olives before any churches, any convents, any houses, anything was built. This was back in the 1867. Now, you can see two roads... To the to the right hand side the road comes down. That would have been the road directly coming up from Jericho. To the right hand side you can see a path. Right? you has got to work a work of The path that is coming down. That would have come from Bethany and Betphagi, where the disciples collected the donkey. Now, I show you this because this probably is the path that Jesus came down on. May have been wider, whatever. May have been, had stones on it, I don't know. But because of where it comes from, this is probably where the triumphal entry came from. Now you have got an idea of distance, coming over the Mount of Olives. Now, I want to read something here, because I found this really important for my own, my own understanding. Right. And when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. He went to Jerusalem with determination. Because he knew that he had to fulfill, prepare the way of the Lord. There was no holding back. He was on a journey of dedication to you and me. So we're going to read this now. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany on the mount called Olivet. That he sent two of his disciples, who were they disciples, saying, "Go into the village opposite where you and where as you enter, you will find a colt tied which no one has ever sat. loose it and bring it here, and if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it, thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need to it need of it, so those who were sent Went their way and found it just as he had said. But as they, who are the they? The disciples, were loosing the colt, the owner of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. Then they, who's the they? The disciples, brought it to him, and they threw their clothes on the colt, and they sat Jesus on it. And as he went, many disciples spread their clothes on the road. Now, as they were now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, you can now picture this. Something was going on here. The whole multitude of the disciples, began to rejoice and praise the Lord with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. They knew who he was. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. It was some of the leaders that were mocking Jesus. Where are we? Voila! Voila! See, the disciples were declaring the name of the Lord in the name of the Lord. The King is coming. The King is coming. Now, there are other people that also had these, and they were also saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. But see, what happened was, these two groups of people, there were those that believed, the disciples, and those that didn't. Much the same as today. And, what happened is you get people with two different motives. Two different motives are saying, Hosanna. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The other crew, they wanted to Jesus to save them from the Roman oppression. So what they were saying, save us, get the Romans out of the way, and everything will be honky-dory the disciples get ready the king is coming so what we have are flags not declarations being waved and you don't know the difference between the two they're all doing the, they're all doing this they're all saying the same thing much the same as today so what we have here is we have one group of people Shouting for a secular salvation. Sounds very much like the days that we are in. And then you get the believer. The king is coming. And this is what's happening today on Palm Sunday. I'm just going to read to you a, a verse from... Leviticus, it'll give you some background to this. And you shall take for yourselves, you shall take for yourself on the first day of the the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Seven days. Then your generations... They know that I made the children of Israel dwell in Booze when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. See, this is what this represents. I am the Lord your God. I am. I am the Lord your God. See, the disciples declared, The Saviour is coming. He's coming. Today, Palm Sunday, is the forerunner of the great and glorious day. Today is the forerunner. We are in a blessed period in history. We are. You may sort of think, oh, I've heard this so often. I'm telling you, we are because of what we see. But before that happens, there are three things that need to happen. First, the Jewish people will return to their promised land, Israel. Because Dale said the importance of reading this. This declares that my people, who are called by my name, will return to their promised land. The second thing that has got to happen, the gospel of the kingdom of God will be preached in the world, and it is happening more and more. But two days after, this went on, and everybody, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Two days later, Jesus says in Matthew 23, 39, For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say... Who's he talking to? The Jews. That's who he's talking to. Until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There will be a revival that hits this world. I think people will see people flock into who he is. See, the Jewish people will declare, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, But there is a future event, and I'm coming into land on this. Revelation 7, 9. A great multitude with no one could count the number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. He is Lord. This is what this represents. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my King. This is what it is. Hosanna. Blessed is he. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. This is our Savior. If he were here now visibly we know he is here but if we were visibly would we if we could get hold of a palm branch wouldn't be doing this jesus jesus thank you for what you did thank you for saving me you are my savior and that is what he wants us to do so if if this kind of teaching you find it helpful I would encourage you to come along to our Encounter Israel nights, because this is the way that we look at our relationship with Jesus. So it's a plug, it's a plug, I, 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 you know, I do, but we know Jesus that much more because of what it tells us. So what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna, can we get this, um, let's go, to the Mount of Olives. All right, all of us this morning. We're going to go to the Mount of Olives with the disciples. Not this lot. Not this gang over here. This. The disciples. Because they know who he is. So what we're going to do is that we are going to declare three times Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Now, then clear your throats because we are going to shout this, all right? Now, don't be too British and too British and reserved and Hosanna. No, come on, come on. This is him, all right? So, we're going to say it three times or after three. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Wonderful. You will always remember Palm Sunday. None of you will forget this day. None of you. As long as you live, you will remember palm branches. You will remember where Jesus came down the triumphal entry. You will know what the disciples believed. So I hope you found this of help. But what does this do for us? Is that it brings us to a place where, excuse me once again. This acknowledgement that we need him. We need him. So for those that are here that maybe don't know him or want to know him more, and that you can call him my king, my savior. It's a simple decision that you make. Very simple, and I'm gonna say the most simple prayer that I can think of, and one that I said, all right? If you want to say it in your heart, dear Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner, and I need to repent, I don't want to live this life I don't want to feel shame. I don't want to feel guilt. I don't want to feel loneliness. I want to feel right. And I believe by an act of faith that because of your death on that cross, you came to give me a new life. And as a free will offering to you, I ask you now to come into my life and save me. So that I can know, you are my king, you are my king, you are my savior. Amen. And that gives you your ticket to the next stage of your Christian walk, as the disciples did. So, for those of you that are thinking, do I really need to be baptized? It is a command. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. Because until you hold back on that, you cannot move forward on the journey of dedication. It's not that you're not saved, it's whatever. None none of that at all. But if you want to move on, so I would suggest that you find if you're people online and you belong to another church, ask your pastor. Get baptized. So thank you everybody for your your patience and uh, the king is coming